Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. How you doing, KLM? I'm just so grateful to be with you this morning as we dive back into the book of Colossians. This book is power-packed with who Christ is and what he has done for us and how are, we to re- how are we to respond. And so it's only four chapters, so we're going to get right into it. I'm going to take my time. I'm not going to rush. A lot of times you, I like to rush. Oh, I got to get through the end of the book, but I'm just going to pace myself and take our time and follow the leadership of the Spirit. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus. I thank you for this opportunity to share your word with your people. <clears throat> I thank you for making my mouth as a pen of a ready writer, then I may speak to a, a word to them that are weary. I thank you for giving me the tongue of the learn. I thank you for supernatural divine utterance that I may boldly make known the mysteries of the gospel. Grant unto your people the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, that the eyes of their understanding will be enlightened, that they may know what is the hope of your calling, what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints, what is the exceeding greatness of your power towards them that believe. I thank you, Father. We believe that we receive supernatural divine revelation from heaven as we dive into this book um, of Colossians. And God, I thank you, Father, for opening up our eyes that we may behold wondrous things from our word. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so I'm going to talk about um, from this passage, we're going to, last week we talked about fruitful prayers, a fruitful praying. And so here we're going to actually emphasize something that Paul said in this prayer, and I believe it's relevant to the time that we're in today. <clears throat> and the name of my message is called, Can You Stand the Rain? Can You Stand the Rain? And so from the prayer that Paul prayed for the church comes this title, can you stand a rain? So first thing I thought about is I thought about New Edition, this song New Edition. And so let's, let's take a look at some of the lyrics. Let's listen to this. <clears throat> on a perfect day, I know that I can count on you. When that's not possible, tell me, can you weather the storm? Because I need somebody who will stand by me through the good times and bad times. She will always, always be right there. Sunny days, everybody, everybody loves them. Tell me, baby, can you stand the rain? Storms will come. This we know for sure. This we know for sure. Can you stand the rain? Love unconditional. I'm not asking just of you and girl, it makes it last. I'll do whatever needs to be done, but I need somebody who will stand by me. When it's tough, she won't run. She will always be right there for me. Sunny days, everybody loves them. Tell me, baby. Can you stand the rain? I'm going to stop there. <laughs> I'm not preaching new edition. But that song speaks to me as I, as I th- thought about this passage, this prayer that Paul prayed, how, you know, that's, what, that's the question that comes to my heart. Can, can you stand the rain? Let me give you a background of this book before I read the passages. Um, the town of Colossae was about 80 miles from the city of Ephesus. 
So it's, it's kind of like to, in today's term or today, today's country, it was where Turkey is or near Turkey. This community was threatened by false teachers. <clears throat> Paul is encouraging these believers to remain true to what they have learned, laying before them a fresh presentation of the gospel. This gospel declares the salvation that God has accomplished for his people by means of Christ's victory over sin and death and his lordship over everything. So Colossians and Ephesians are related together, close, closely related. It seems that um, Epaphras is the founder of this church of, at Colossae and th that he was sent by Paul. Paul often refers to him as a faithful minister of the gospel. As you read through the epistles, you'll find that false teachers were common among the churches that Paul so often founded or oversaw. Um, there are false teachers even today. And as your pastor, I, 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 I think about these false teachings that might be, and how, how, do you, how are you exposed to false teachers? Well, perhaps through the YouTube channel, perhaps through books, Christian books, or perhaps even through um, visiting other churches. So these false teachings are uh, common, false teachers are common today. And as, as a, a pastor, minister of the gospel, I must watch over your soul and I must watch over my teachings to make sure that they are consistent with the scriptures. So therefore, I try to baptize my mind in the word of God daily and through prayer. None of us are exempt from false teaching, but we must stay in prayer and in the word and connect it to the local church. The word of God in prayer, especially praying in other tongues, will keep us from false teaching. Paul puts an emphasis on the, in this book on the supremacy of Christ. And there's a reason why Paul does so. Perhaps these false teachers are trying to take away from a high view of Christ. And evidently they saw Christ was a beginning and they taught that he was a created being similar to the Jehovah's Witnesses. Paul clearly disputes this false teaching and reveals that Christ as the creator and as God, the deity of Christ. And so there was these group of people called the Gnostics, and they actually believed that Jesus only appeared to be human and that he was divine, but yet he appeared. And this Gnostic teaching actually, they lifted up, um, knowledge and how knowledge is the highest form of, of life and that they have to reprogram the rest of the body of Christ. And so with that said, let's look at the passage and then I'll go back and unpack it. Colossians chapter one, and let's start with verse one. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God, our father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world, as it is bearing fruit and increasing as it does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras and our beloved fellow servants, he is a faithful minister of Christ and on your behalf has made known to us your love in the spirit. As far as, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding 
so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. For all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you as to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And so let's go back and unpack some of this. So we see that this, this powerful prayer that Paul is praying. Let's pick it up in verse five. Verse five and six simply says this. It says, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven and of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. And let's continue, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world. It is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth. What powerful scriptures, verses, right? So here Paul talks about the hope and we expounded on that. The hope laid up for you in heaven. Heard of this hope in the, in the word of truth. Notice he, he uses the word of truth. Often there's three different ways that he describes the gospel. The word of truth, the word of life, and the word of faith. The gospel. This gospel came to them and is making progress in the world and is bearing fruit. And we expounded on that last week. How the gospel produces fruit. It, it grabs hold of you and it transforms us from the inside out. And, it, and this gospel is increasing. We want the gospel to increase in this world. We want the gospel to spread. Wherever the gospel is, it's going to prepare fruit in the world. Let's go to a scripture here. Let's, um, if you have your Bibles, go with me to 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1. Here's Paul praying, told this church to pray for him. Finally, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as it happened among you. And so here Paul is praying that the word of Christ was be spread across the world, that it was be it was spread quickly, that the word of the Lord will have free course and reign. So that should be a prayer of ours. We want this gospel to be spread across the world. There's still thousands and thousands and thousands of people who have not heard this gospel. And as this gospel is proclaimed, then it can produce fruit wherever it goes. It can go right up in um, um, Australia. It can go to New Zealand. It can go to Russia. This gospel needs to be spread across the world. This is the Great Commission, right? The Great Commission is going to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And so here, Paul is praying, is telling the, the people of God to pray that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored. Let's go back to Colossians, Colossians chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. Colossians chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. Here we go. It says, it, it, he continues by saying that this gospel will bear fruit everywhere it goes. This gospel was making progress among these believers since the day they heard it and understood the grace of God and truth. So the first, from the first day they heard this gospel, and we believe that Epaphras was sent from Paul to this city to establish a gospel-centered church, a gospel-proclaiming church. And so these believers, 
They heard the gospel, they believed it, they received the gospel, and they understood the grace of God in truth. I believe that there's a lack of understanding when it comes to the true gospel, as well as the grace of God in truth. Many have heard parts of the gospel, and I believe through the mercy of God came into the faith. But I, I believe that a lot of believers that I know and that are in this country specifically have heard bits of the gospel and have come into the gospel, but not completely understood. I'm not saying having full knowledge, but not really understood the way that they should have when they made the decision to make the Lord their savior. And, and with that said, I, I believe that we as believers should seek the knowledge of God and to have a clear understanding of the full gospel with clarity. It isn't enough to say that the Lord saved me, but we should grow in the knowledge of our salvation. We should understand what took place. We should, mat we should really take time to study why we believe what we believe. And, and you can do this by um, joining us on Thursdays. Thursdays, we have Bible study by way of Zoom, and we're studying um, knowing the living God, and we're looking at who God is and his attributes. But Paul said that they heard the gospel and they understood the grace of God in truth. They understood the grace of God in truth. That, that's a profound statement, the grace of God in truth. Sometimes what, what people are calling grace today is not really the grace of God. It's some other form of, of, of this teaching. It's a false teaching. It's the grace that, that people look at that is cheesy, that you can live any kind of way that God doesn't care about that. He's, he's, he's turning his head on sin. It's not okay for you to live any kind of way. The, the gospel demands us to repent. The gospel demands us to, to turn to the Lord and to live righteously in his sight. The gospel demands us to make sure our mouths are speaking truth in life. Um, the gospel demands our lifestyle to be one that is pleasing to the Lord. So this gospel of grace is not an empowerment to not obey God, but it empowers us to obey God. I'm sorry for preaching, but that's that's true. Um, so we, we want to make sure that we understand this gospel of grace or the, or the gospel and the grace of God in truth. We want to do that. And that's one of the things that stood out. So Paul is praying this Holy Ghost filled prayer for these believers. Let's take a look at this. And, and I, we talked about it last week. And he, he talks about in verse nine, since the, from the day we heard, what did he hear? He heard about their faith. We have not stopped to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So this prayer that Paul is praying, he's praying that they be filled with something. When God saves us, we need to be filled with something. What, what happened when God saved us? In other words, when we received the salvation that is in Christ, the devil left us. <laughs> the devil departed. There was an um, eviction of the enemy. Now, I'm not saying that you might not need deliverance after you're born again. You may, you may not. Uh, but what I am saying that the enemy is no longer the Lord of your life. Your, the Bible tells us in this passage, he tells us that God has delivered us from the domain or the kingdom of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption. So this prayer includes that we'll be filled with the knowledge of God's will. Paul wants this church 
to know God's will. Do you know God's will? Do you know his general will? And do you know the specific will of your, for your life? You know God's general will for all humanity by studying the Bible. And you know his specific will by praying and standing praying, especially praying in other tongues. But here Paul does not, just doesn't want them to be filled with the knowledge of God's will, but he wants them, to wants them to have spiritual wisdom and understanding with that will. It's not enough to know the will, but we got to know how to use it, when to use it, when to apply, how to apply those proper principles to the right situations. But the question that comes to me is why? Why does God, why does Paul wants us to be filled with the knowledge of God's will and spiritual wisdom and understanding? Why? So that they may walk in a way that is pleasing to God. Notice that you cannot please God if you don't know his will. Let me say that again. You cannot please God if you do not know his will. How can you please a God that you don't know his ways? So we must study the scriptures. The Bible was given to us to reveal to us God's will, God, how to think. God is teaching and training us how to think. And so as we study the scriptures, I, I, don't, I, I don't understand Christians, Christians, believers, who don't spend time in the word. You got to make time for the word every day. You make sure you eat every day and you make sure you shower. You should shower every day. You make sure you brush your teeth every day. You should at least two or three times a day, right? Uh, so we should make time for the word of God. You will not know his will if you don't spend time in this word. It's not enough just to hear your pastor weekly. It's not enough to look, look at your favorite pastor on, te on television, on YouTube. Notice that how can you call him your favorite pastor when you don't even know him? But we won't talk about that. Um, so you got to take time in the word of God. You're not going to be filled. This prayer is not going to be answered if you're not taking time to fill yourself with the word of God. It, Paul later on says in Colossians chapter three, in Colossians chapter three, he says this. Let me find it. It just came to me. Colossians chapter three. It says this, and I have, I've lost my place. Colossians chapter three. Actually, I believe it's chapter two. No, it's chapter three. He says this, that let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. It's chapter three, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to, the, to God. So this scripture tells us, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. We need to be rich in the word. Some of us are poor in the word. We have, we have poverty in the word. We, we don't have enough word in us. And the amount of word that you have, how do you know how much word you have in you? The amount of word that you have in you is the extent that you're living it, right? That's the measuring stick. How much word do you have in you? Look at your life. How much do you reflect Jesus? That's the amount of word that you have in you. Go back to Colossians 1. So this prayer is, Paul is praying that they may be filled with the knowledge of God's will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And I, I pose the question, why? And this is the reason why. So they can walk, walk in a way that's pleasing to God. You cannot please God if you don't know his will. 
And you don't know, it's not enough just to know his will, but you got to have wisdom and understanding. And the next question I have is, how do we please God? And Paul tells us by this prayer, by bearing fruit in every good work, by bearing fruit in every good work. So you're filled with the knowledge of his will and wisdom, spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you may walk in a way that is worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. Right. So God fills us with his will, with some wisdom and understanding so that we can please him. And once we please him, I I, I pose the question is, how do we please God? Well, we please God by bearing fruit in every good work. In other words, God wants you to be prosperous in everything that you put your hand to. Are you bringing glory to God in your life? You and I should bear fruit in good works. We should be doing some good works everywhere we go. And let's look at a few scriptures. Uh, A question that came to my mind is, what are these good works? Let's go to the scriptures in Matthew chapter 5. Go to Matthew 5 and verse 16. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. We're talking about, can you stand the rain? Matthew 5, 16 says this. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So God wants us to shine our light and let men see our good works so they can glorify God our Father. Go with me to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says this, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, and what's the next part? For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So God has made us his workmanship in in, in Christ Jesus for good works. He wants us to produce some good works. My last scripture along these lines is Titus, Titus chapter 2, Titus chapter 2, and let's look at verse 14. Titus chapter 2, verse 14 says this, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. As a Christian, we should be zealous for good works. God did not just save us to sit and to be filled with knowledge, but he wants us to produce good works. Now, we're not saved by our good works, but we're saved by Jesus' good works. God uses Jesus' good works, his life, his death, his resurrection, to save us. But we're we're saved not by works, our works, but we're saved to work. God saves us to work. And so there should be some good works for every believer. God expects every believer to do good works. And doing these good works, you should be bearing fruit, bearing fruit. We've been saved from dead works unto good works. You should be producing something for the glory of God. Every Christian, let me tell you something. Every Christian should be producing good works for the glory of God. God expects you to do something for him. You're not saved just to sit down and come to church every Sunday. 
But God wants you to get your behind up and do something for his glory. Because what's going to happen is you're going to end up going into eternity. You'll be saved because it's by grace. But then you're going to weep. There's going to be much weeping in, in the day of judgment. The judgment seat of Christ is for the Christian. God, the white throne judgment is for the unbeliever. But the judgment seat of Christ is for the believer. And for those believers standing before God and standing before Christ, Christ is not going to be happy with all their life, their good works. There's no nothing that we've produced. And so we have to produce. And I'm not talking about everybody's called to the ministry. Uh, everybody's not called to the ministry. There's very few that are called to the ministry, the fivefold ministry. But all of us are called to do something for God, to produce good works. And so I, 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 I submit to you these good works. I'm going to tell you what they include. They're very, very practical. All right. Y'all ready for these good works, right? Oh, what are these good works? You, you know, we've read these scriptures about how God, we are his workmanship, creating Christ Jesus for good works. And how Titus says that Christ redeemed us from lawlessness to purify us, a people to himself, to who are zealous for good works. So what are these good works? They're very practical. But now we, we, we see there are people in the world doing some, some of the things that I'm going to explain to you, but their works are dead. But as a Christian, everything we do should be bringing glory to God. Here we are. One, um, not, not just necessary in these orders, but doing your job unto the Lord. All right. Every Christian should be working. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you're retired, you should have you should be working. Whether it's sweeping up your clothes, sweeping up your your um, your house every day, your, your kitchen or doing the, the yard. You need to do something right. God never calls the Christians to sit down and study the scriptures all day and pray all day and do nothing. <laughs> um, that is just not that we, we're not called to to be in a utopia. We're called to be out in the world and to produce some works, good works at that. <laughs> not just any kind of works, but good works. So doing your job unto the Lord. If you will see your job, your nine to five or your <laughs> 11 p.m. to 7 a.m., whatever, whatever your schedule is, if you'll see your job, not just making a living, but making a giving or making an opportunity to produce good works for the glory of God. You're not working for your company, but you're working for King Jesus, even for yourself. You're not, you shouldn't be working for yourself in the, in the sense you may be an employer or have your own business. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about even in that, you should offer that up to the Lord, that your job should be part of your worship. Work as worship. That's part of what God's called every Christian to do. If you don't have a job, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Go ahead and get a job. Find a job. Well, 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 it's going to take me away from my time with the Lord. Well, you can still spend time with the Lord while working. <laughs> um, I pray in tongues while I'm at the job with the mask on. I'm praying in tongues. And I'm praying the scriptures. I'm praying for the members of KLM. Uh, don't, don't, don't get it twisted. You can work in an environment that is ungodly for the glory of God. And I want to challenge you. Don't take that job. Stop complaining about your job. 
and start offering up your job as worship unto God. Keep your mouth off your, off your boss. Keep your mouth off your coworkers. Don't get involved with the sin that is all around you. Become stronger in God than they are and stronger in their sin. And start using your job as a platform to show forth your good work. God gets glory out of the believer who goes to work and works unto the Lord and, give, and produce good work for the glory of God and for the benefits of, for the benefit of humanity. So do your job unto the Lord. Look at your job as something beyond what you're doing. You're working for King Jesus. Your job is working unto the Lord. And I'm telling you, you'll receive a reward. Colossians talks about this. Let's go over there real quick. Colossians chapter three, and it's a part of it's four too. Colossians chapter three, and let's look at verse 22. It says, bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. So slavery in the Bible is similar to employer and employee. Uh, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. So as you're working, you're working for King Jesus. All right. I can get caught up in that, as you can see, right? I, 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 that whole work piece, most of us have to go to work every day, right? Or work from home. And I'm telling you, your job, transform your job from, a, from something that you hate to, to a place of worship, that you're worshiping God, whatever legal job that you're doing, God can get glory out. That's part of your good works. Also, raising your family in the gospel is part of your good works. As you take your little son or little daughter, as you train them, as you teach them not only the gospel, but as you teach them how to live and how to be successful in this world, you're actually doing some good works. Because if, if I can produce, i got two sons, right? And I, if I can produce these sons to be future husbands and future fathers, and I, if I can put some stuff in them to make them strong in the Lord and strong in life and how to be rich and wealthy and how to be successful and how to, how to be a blessing to this world, how to be leaders, right? I, I, I'm looking at my boys to being leaders, right? How do I raise them to be leaders, how do I, how, what do I need to pour into them? What do I need to expose them to? How do I need to train them in the way that they should go? That's, that's part of my good works because if, if by, the God, by the grace of God, if I'm able to train them in the way of God, in the way that they should go, then that is going to be part of my labor that's going to be part of my good works in this world. I'm, going to, I, I'm raising up a godly husband, God's, godly husbands for some, some godly wives, right? Some godly women. I'm raising up godly fathers for the glory of God. Think about it. You're not just raising up um, little people, but you're, think of them as not just children, but as little people. You're raising up future leaders, future 
entrepreneurs and future pastors and teachers and evangelists and perhaps presidents of the United States or president of our, of our comp Fortune 500 uh, company. You're raising up actors and actresses and, and politicians, godly ones. We got to think about this. And so if we, if we can do our job and pour into them what is needed, the Bible says when they grow older, they won't depart. That won't depart from them. That will stay inside of them. Give them some. Kids are like cement. You have a small amount of time to make an impression, the impression of God, on them, and it's stuck forever. Some people got wrong cement, wrong impression inside of them. And as a pastor, it's my job to destroy that wrong impression, to go in through the word of God and through prayer and by the Holy Spirit to dismantle those wrong impressions and to destroy and to rebuild. It's better to build boys so they can be strong men than to actually to heal men when they're older. You know, why not? Why? I'm going to stop there. All right. You get the picture. Um, how, how, what else? How do we produce good works? Your holiness. Your sanctification, living righteously in, in the sight of God and man. You know, you're not a liar. How many lying Christians do you know? Lying on their income tax. <laughs> lying, lying, lying just to be lying. I mean, it's not, it's not okay for us to lie. So if we tell the truth and be men and women of integrity, we're producing good works. Also, your, your mind renewal, getting your mind renewed, your prayer life. When you pray for people, you're producing good works. You're giving, you're off, giving offerings and tithes, and you're witnessing, your forgiveness, being willing to forgive people. I was talking to a Muslim friend, and, and she, she just has unforgiveness and bitterness. She, once you betray her, it's a done deal. As Christians, we're not, we're not to be, get rid of people. I know I've, in time past, I've blocked people and still got some people blocked. Um, <laughs> and it's okay to distance yourself from them. You forgive them, but you don't want them to, to be, have access to them. And I, I do understand that. But I still forgive them. You still got to forgive. Um, your life, every part of your life can produce good works. God wants your life to count for eternity and for the good of others. God wants your life to count for eternity and for the good of others. Let God be glorified. How is God glorified in your life? Through your family life, through your work life, through your church life, through your community life, every area of your life. How do you glorify God? Okay, it continues. Paul talks about in Colossians 1, um, after, he's, uh, after he's praying that people, people of God be filled with the knowledge of God's will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, walk in a way that is worthy of the Lord, pleasing the Lord. Burn fruit in every good work. And the next part is increasing in the knowledge of God. God does not want ignorant believers. He wants believers who know him. He wants, he wants, the Bible says, my people perish for the lack of knowledge because they rejected knowledge. God wants us to have knowledge. And he wants us to grow in the grace. 2 Peter 3.18 says to grow in the grace. You can grow in grace and in the knowledge of God. We need to grow in the grace and the knowledge of God and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You need to understand who Jesus is. You need to understand this grace that has been given to us in Christ. And it goes on, it says, and, and you pleasing God by 
been strengthened, it says, and being strengthened with all might, verse 11, being strengthened with all might according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. So this is my, my focus out of this prayer. This is where the title came, came, Can You Stand the Rain? God wants us to be strengthened. Are you strengthened today? This is how we are able to please God. <clears throat> when we're full of strength, <clears throat> excuse me, when we're full of strength, it causes us to be able to endure. God strengthens us so that we can endure. God gives us strength. We need strength. We need spiritual strength. We need natural strength. We need mental strength, emotional strength. We, we have too many weak Christians. Stop being weak. The Bible says, let the weak say I'm strong. So begin to declare that you're strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Stop being a baby. We have too many babies, Christians, baby Christians, complaining, murmuring. The church ain't not doing this. We're not doing Well, go in and be an answer. Be a blessing to the church and stop. Don't ask what your church could do for you, but ask whether what you can do for your church. Like be a blessing. Stop complaining about your job. Be a blessing to your job. Stop complaining about your spouse. Be a blessing to your spouse. Stop complaining about your singleness. Be a blessing as a single person. Stop complaining about being a parent. Be a blessing to your kids. Come on. Be strong in the Lord. Stop being wimpy. God is not looking for wimpy Christians. He's looking for Christians who are willing to receive his strength and to be strengthened, being strengthened with all might and with all power according to his glorious might. Why? So you can endure with patience, with joy. So you can endure for all endurance and patience with joy. Let's think about this. Why does God want us to be strengthened for all endurance? patience with joy. Can you stand the rain? Can you stand being a Christian in a, a, a godless society? Can you be a, a Christian? Be, can you be strong and with patience and joy? God wants us to endure and have patience with joy. He wants us to stand. Ephesians 6, 13 says, having done all to stand, put on the whole armor of God and to stand. Being able to stand in the midst of a crazy society, a crazy situation, be able to parent, to be the best parent, parent against the, the tide of our society, raising our kids to know the difference between a boy and a girl, teaching them how to be God glorified in their gender. This is, brings glory to God. God allows us to go through so that patience can have her way in us. God is glorified when patience have her way in us. Now, often I was at Walmart today. And I was buying some, some food for my kids while my wife is away. And while I'm in line, I'm thinking I, I, I'm, it, there's a long line, right? <laughs> And I'm like, if I have 20 items or less, I can go through the self-checkout and there was not a lot of people there. 
I could lie. And it was like, you know, this is the same items. I, I, does that count as one? <laughs> I thought about that, right? So I decided to go through the cashier and I'm waiting and people have a lot of food. I only have a couple of items, right? And I'm waiting and waiting and waiting, buying milk. And, um, and I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. And, and I was getting impatient. And I'm like, Lord, please let patience have her perfect work. I'm convinced that this is not the type of patience that God is talking about. Um, it, it's a small fraction of what God thinks about patience that that's what he's talking about. He's not talking about that type of patience to waiting in line and, and, and oh, wait, I got a good one for you. Disney World, right? You wait in them long lines, right? Um, just for a little bit. I mean, it, you spend the whole, your whole time at Disney World in lines. That type of patience is, is, is a small portion of what God is talking about when he's talking about for all endurance and patience with joy. In James chapter 1, let's go over there real quick. Let me read this. I, I'm telling you, I sense the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, make it, it takes discipline and strength to sit down and listen to a preacher for an hour. I know last couple of times I preached for 20 minutes and, you know, whatnot. Listen, you, it takes patience. It takes endurance. Can you sit down at home and not get up and go check on the food? Why you got food on anyway? You know, sit down and look at the screen and listen to the word of God. It takes faith and patience to sit down and not move. Some of y'all can't move. You got to be moving. Oh, let me check Facebook. Let me check Instagram. Let me let me go do some homework for those in school. Let me let me work on. No, sit down and hear the word of God. God expects when the word of God is preached for his people to sit down and listen. All right, James chapter one. Here we go. Verse four. It says this. It says, and let patience or steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing. Let's jump to verse two. It says, count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces patience or steadfastness. The testing of our faith produces patience. Go back to Colossians 1. It says this, that we'll be strengthened with all power, verse 11, according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy for all God strengthens us for all endurance with impatience with joy we need to have endurance God is glorified when patience have her way God is glorified when you're going through God is glorified when patience is taking root in your life when when it comes to patience and endurance we're talking about that it comes through trials and tribulations of this life. You're going to go through trials and tribulations. If you're looking, I, I'm, a, I'm a faith man. I, I, I preach the word of faith. I preach the word of life. I preach the word of truth. I preach the gospel, the full gospel. Faith is not given to us to make things easier. Faith is given to us to make things possible, to be overcomers. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Our faith is the, our answer to overcome this world. If there was no need to overcome, then God would never give us faith. And don't tell me you have a testimony when you've never been tested. And I'm telling you that God strengthens us to endure and to have patience with joy. 
He gets glory when we are enduring the trials and the tribulations. God never promised a bed of roses. Did you hear me? God never promised you a bed of roses. He never promised you a perfect life. Some people fall away from Christ when their prayers are not answered the way that they want them to be answered. Oh, I did not have the perfect marriage. Welcome to the world. No one has the perfect marriage. Oh, I'm, why am I still single? Can you stand? Can you love Jesus and still not be married? Can you love Jesus and remain married? Can you love Jesus and have no kids? Can you love Jesus with kids? Can you love Jesus when your kids are wilding and, and all, all over the place? Can you stand when you lose your job and when you get furloughed off or laid off or something? Can you still stand? Can you stand? Can you love Jesus independent of circumstances? If you lose your house, lose your apartment, lose your car, can you still love Jesus? That's the faith that I'm talking about. I'm not talking about, now don't put yourself in a situation, right? You know, use some wisdom, be a good steward, save, work, do what you got to do. But there's sometimes circumstances that are beyond our control. We can't control every circumstance. We control what we, we, how we respond and react to it, but we can't control the circumstances, right? There are times that Paul wanted to go to a certain church and he'll say, Satan hindered me. Or Satan blocked me. Well, here's Paul, full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom, full of the Word of God. You, God used him to write two-thirds of the New Testament, and yet Satan is blocking him. How can Satan block Paul? Easily. Through trials, tribulations, persecutions. Um, if you go, you know, if he, he got, if the devil could cause a stir up people, and Paul, with Paul's situation, he locked him up in prison. And so Paul couldn't go out and preach the gospel. Let's continue. It says here, um, I put, can you still believe in, and still stand? Can you stand the rain? Can you stand like your father Abraham? Let's go to Romans 4, Romans chapter 4. I think there's going to be a part two to this because I have, have so much to say about this. Romans chapter 4, and let's look at verse 20. It says, now no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. God gave Abraham a promise. And he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. This is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. Abraham, Father Abraham, was able to stand even with that promise. He had a promise that God was going to bless him with a son. And, and, and there was many years, like, how is this possible? I'm old man. My wife is old and she's beyond childbearing years, and yet God made this promise to him. Do you can you take the promises of God and still believe him regardless of what happened? Can you weather the storm of life? Can you stand when everyone around you is yielding to sin? Can you raise your kids against the tide of society? Can you can you really worship God when you don't feel like it? When we endure, we please God. The ultimate end of what you are becoming in the midst of the trial is what God's after. Um, I heard Jim Rohn, who was a motivational speaker, he, he, he said this. He says, why not try to become a millionaire? Not for, not for the sake of becoming a millionaire, but what you will become in the midst of it. What are you becoming as a Christian? What are you becoming? All right. As these years go by, as these days go by, what are you becoming? Even in this 
pandemic, what are you becoming? Are you becoming bitter? Are you becoming a doom and gloom prophet? Oh, God is judging the world. This is not, not unusual. The church has been through this before. The world has been through this before. This is not the end of the world. Listen, you'll know when it's the end of the world. Uh, listen, God, there's signs. We're, we're, we're just, we're, we're entering into some, some challenging time, and there's worse coming. A man of faith saying there's worse coming. It is. But I'm telling you for the people of God that this is the greatest hour for the church to shine, to stand, and to praise God, and to pray, and to believe, and to fast, and to witness, and to be an example. I'm going to stop there because I can continue. I have so much more in me as it relates to can, we, can you stand the rain? Can you stand in the midst of this craziness? Let me give you some, some how to receive strength to stand. How, how do you receive strength to stand? One there's two, I got two answers for you. One is daily contact with the Lord. Two is being around the saints. Daily contact with the Lord, underneath that you can put the word of God, prayer, fasting, and solitude. The word of God, prayer, fasting, and solitude. As you are in daily contact with the Lord, he will strengthen you. Our strength comes from the word of God. Our strength comes from prayer. Our strength comes from fasting. And our strength comes from solitude. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am the Lord and that I will be exalted among the Gentiles, or the heathens. Listen, learn how to be quiet and receive. They that wait upon the Lord, <laughs> he shall renew their strength. As you're waiting on the Lord in prayer, as you're waiting on the Lord in the word, as you're waiting on the Lord in fasting, as you're waiting on the Lord in solitude, you'll find yourself full of strength. Strength comes from the presence of the Lord. There's a refreshing. As you force yourself to read your Bible every day, as you force yourself to pray in tongues and pray in English or pray in whatever native tongue that you may speak in, as you pray and as you spend time with God, it takes faith to pray. It takes faith to pray long prayers, enduring prayers, stand in there. It's not the quantity, it's the quality. So as you quality, as you maintain in the spirit and prayer, I'm telling you, there's a strength that comes. My second focus is being around the saints. We encourage ourselves and we encourage each other. That's how you receive strength, by being around other believers, believers who are just like you in the sense that they believe what you believe. I don't want to be around believers who tell me, God, God sent this coronavirus and he can be glorified while this coronavirus takes you out. I don't, I don't, I don't listen to that. There's a, a well-known minister that I love dearly. I have a lot of his works, and when it comes to that mess, I don't listen to him. I turn it off because I don't need that. I, I listen to faith preaching, pre preaching that's going to strengthen my faith. I don't only listen to faith preaching, but I do listen to a lot of it because I need that as a, as a believer. To, so we get strength among other believers. Psalm 22, my last scripture, Psalm 22, 20, verse, chapter 20, verse 2 says this as I end. Psalm 20, I believe you need to see this and hear this. Psalm 20, verse 2 says this, May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. God will send strength and sanctuary. When we come together and we sing praises, there's an there's a atmosphere of faith. 
There's a spirit of faith that's around the people of God. I love when my wife is up leading worship. She starts exhorting and prophesying and speaking the word of the Lord. I mean, I, you, you've experienced that. It's just he, she'll drop something, drop in her spirit, and she'll speak it out, and that goes right into a person. Um, that, that, that's that, that, that atmosphere, or you seeing brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so and you saying hi to them or high-fiving them, um, th that gives you strength. You hearing that word, you hearing the testimony, that's where strength comes from. I'm going to end here. If you don't know Jesus in the pardon of your sin, there's a heaven to gain and a hell to avoid. Today, I ask you to, to make a decision, a quality decision, to make Jesus the Lord of your life. All you have to do is receive what he's done for you. He's already done the work. You just got to receive the work so that you can begin to do some good works. You receive the works so that you can do some works. <laughs> so God can cause works to be produced in your life. It is God's will to, for you to bear fruit in good works. Stop, living dead, de stop producing dead works. And repent today. Turn away from your sins and return to Christ. Receive Jesus. Say, Father God, I come to you in Jesus' name. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And I believe in my heart that you raised Christ from the dead. So I receive Jesus as my Savior and my Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done for me in Christ. I receive it by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. That concludes this week's message, and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Grand Cocos, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His Word. God bless you.